Hey there, uh, Cave Company Radio fans. Um, you're about to listen to uh, Sex and Other Human Activities. Um, my name is Bunky Houseman, and um, I wrote in and uh, got some advice from Jackie Marcus, and at first I thought it was great, and then um, I fucking lost everything. Um, so if you could uh, just know that their advice is for entertainment purposes only, you know, I lost my family, I lost my house. And um, I lost my career, uh, which was hard to do. I was a professional gambler. I thought that would be a thing that they could help me do, and they did. Um, so if you have any questions or advice you need, just make sure you email cavecomingradio at gmail.com, ask for Marcus or Jackie, and, um, or maybe just say hello to Henry from last podcast on the list because he needs, he needs your, your attention. He needs your affection. Um, so thank you, and enjoy sex and other human activities. Ah, yes. Welcome to Section <laughs> of the Human Activities. I'm Marcus Parks. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. If you're wondering why uh, I kind of paused uh, at the beginning of this, uh, I'll go ahead and say, like, start, like this is going to be a, a rough one. Yes. This is going to be a heavy episode. But like, we're, we're dealing with a lot of heavy letters today, and we're, we're bringing in a friend of ours uh, to talk about uh, our friend, uh, Justy Dodge, who uh, you guys may know from a ton of other podcasts. Uh, she's coming in to, to talk to us uh, about um, a kid who wrote in uh, a letter about cutting. She's going to be coming in. And I guess it's also like heavy because I've been putting off talking about, you know, the funeral a couple weeks ago when I was gone uh, to Texas. And, and you know, I'd, I think I kind of figured out why I, I don't, I haven't really wanted to talk about it and why. I only talk about it, really only talk about it when I'm drunk, uh, is because I, I don't, I, I'm very bad with grief. I'm very, very, very bad with it. Like, I, I don't, uh, I don't like to cry. I fucking hate the way it makes me feel. It, it makes me feel, my head, when I cry, it feels like it's going to explode. Uh, my entire body feels horrible and it makes me feel weak. It makes me feel... You shouldn't view crying as that. Yeah. You never should. Honestly, I mean, especially if the feeling of being weak, you have to emote. You have to deal with your emotions. It's yeah. being weak when you try to not deal with them. When you when things get acted out in other ways of aggression or getting drunk and talking about it, like, that is not a an appropriate way to deal with your grief. Crying is okay. Yeah. Crying is cleansing. <laughs> and you have yeah. to view it as such that like when you cry, it's just, you have to get the feelings out. Mm-hmm. And it's just another way of getting them out in a manner that is healthy. Yeah. And you have to see it as something that's, I know not you have to, but you should. Yeah, I should. You should see it as something that is healthy and is good for you. It takes me a very long time to deal with things, to really accept things. Like, I didn't truly cry about my uh, uh, father's father until a, he died a, almost a couple years ago. And I think I cried, truly cried for him the first time about two months ago, two, three months ago. And how often did you think about it? All, all the time. Of course, I thought, yeah, I thought about it, you know, a lot. <laughs> I, I was very close to him. 
uh, in fact, you know, I probably would say probably more close to him than, than my mother's father, just because there are so few of us in the, on the park side of the family. There's only my two brothers and a cousin, uh, and one aunt, but on my, uh, on my uh, mother's side, I've got 12 cousins and 15 like second cousins and three aunts and an uncle. There's just so many different people. And, but this one, like the, the funeral, like really affected me. My grandfather died a couple weeks ago. Uh, and you know, I, and I, you know, when I first heard, like I did, cry, like I cried more immediately because I think it was, it was a very sudden death. And my, uh, my grandpa, my other, my papa, uh, from here on out, father's dad is papa, mama's dad is granddad. Uh, but yeah, when papa died, it was like a kind of a two week thing. We all had time to say goodbye. We all, uh, had time to process it a little bit more. Uh, but my, my grandfather, it was very sudden. It was a, an extremely sudden death, uh, even though he had been suffering from dementia for the last two years. And for him, it was he was a very loud, boisterous man that was always the center of attention. It took him 30 minutes to leave anywhere because he had to tell stories and talk to people all the time. Uh, and for the last two years, he, he couldn't really talk. Uh, and he could just, and he could kind of listen. But, I mean, he just he couldn't talk. And, and for a man like that, that's a very special hell. You know, and and also think of the relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. exactly. That, that was the only comfort in the whole thing. And mm. have you cried then since? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, kinda. I haven't like uh, I haven't had a complete let go. It's been times when I just haven't been able to to hold it back uh, at all anymore. Um, the uh, you know, and if I have cried, it's been for twenty seconds. 10, 20 seconds. I just don't want to do it. It's like I've been, I've been putting it off. And now that I feel like I've, I've put it off for, uh, weeks now and, uh, not, you know, and, and just have it like really fucking gone for it. It's almost like I can't make myself do it. Like, no, you it, can't make yourself like, do it. It's, it's a- like now I just have to wait for it to come like, kind of like I did with my papa. Like it was in, and, and with him, it was just a, uh, a just a conversation with my girlfriend. Like I just, you know, come home, I think from round table and we were just talking about, um, just talking about family and, uh, and, and things like that. Uh, and, um, I can't remember exactly what it was that, that was said. Um, but I just fucking lost it and for a long, for a good like, 20 minutes, just lost it and couldn't stop crying. Couldn't stop sobbing. Like my entire body, like racking and I make these horrible noises when I cry like, <laughs> <laughs> like they are horrible inhuman noises like it, it's it sounds awful don't judge yourself too hard <laughs> no, I, 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 maybe it's just that the sounds are in my head and it's, it's not you know as bad but it's like this whole full body full just racking type cry like a wailing cry uh and and I, afterwards, like I, I, I didn't know how I felt. And, and then after that, like, I kind of felt like I'd finally grieved for, for my papa a little bit, you know, two, I think, I think granddad died two or three weeks later. Uh, and the, the weird thing about it is that I had been talking about him in therapy for like two weeks straight right before he died. So he was at very much at the very like forefront of my mind a lot at that time. Uh, and you know, I, and then I went home and 
you know, the what I was worried about most more than anything was my mom, who was very close to him. Uh, and and going home, it was uh, fucking brutal. It was one of the hardest weeks of my entire life. Uh, not just dealing with my own grief, but dealing with everyone else's and trying to fucking be there for for everyone else. Like I had gone to the viewing on Tuesday uh, and had kind of when it was you know just a, a few people and kind of got it out of the way. Uh, and then the next day was when a lot of my cousins showed up, my brother and and all that, and and uh, and nobody wanted to to like go in. Like, you know, like a lot of, like, we're just kind of like milling around and, and I don't, I don't know if this was some guy, I mean, I, I'm still questioning why the fuck I did this or if there was any altruistic motion, uh, motions to it or if I just wanted to be seen, I don't know, but I kind of got to be like uh, the guy who would like take the other, like cousins and, uh, my brother, like, <laughs> In to see the body. Yeah, yeah. And it, um, I don't know if it helped or not. Like I hope it did. I think know. that, especially in you know your place, mm-hmm. not in our community and in your life, is helping people. Yeah. And I think that in a helpless situation, you realize that they needed you, and yeah. that you could be there for them. Because you're so. you're so strong. I never feel like it. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time I feel like the weakest motherfucker on earth. Um, and uh, and I guess that maybe that's why I fucking why I'm so reticent to, to really grieve about something and really cry about something uh, is because I um, you know, when I was a kid, I was kind of a crybaby. You know, I'd cry about anything. You know, someone was fucking with me, I'd cry or, you know, I'd get hurt, I'd cry or anything like that. And then one day I, uh, I decided, I remember it was something my brother told me, my oldest brother, uh, when uh, like he was, I don't know, like playing keep away or something. And I started crying uh, and I was like 11 or something like that. And, and he goes like, you know, next year you go into junior high and if you act like this, they're going to fucking eat you alive. And at that moment, God, that's older brothers. <laughs> yeah, for that's you. older brothers. And you know what? I needed to fucking hear that. Yeah, like I that was something that I needed to hear. You know, I needed someone to tell me to nut the fuck up, stop acting like such a little bitch all the time. Uh, and but grieving over your grandfather's death is not being a little bitch. <laughs> I know that. I, I know <laughs> that. Like I, I absolutely, I absolutely fucking know that. Uh, but I guess you know, I, I kind of went uh, too far too far to the other side. Uh, and in times like this, you know, actually a, a listener, uh, that, um, that, uh, wrote us in a couple of weeks ago, the one that we were saying, um, you know, just go ahead and be a dick and tell the girl to get the fuck out of your life. Uh, he actually, I, I want to thank you, man. Like you, um, he actually gave some, some very good advice, especially fucking saying, you know, a fucking high school kid like he uh, gave some amazing advice that that was a very insightful you know and he said you know the first of all don't hold it in you have to grieve you have to let it out you know completely and he said also he said don't you know don't distract yourself with you know video games or or tv or anything like that and that's exactly what i do and exactly what i did you know like the night of um you know the the night of it was it was a sunday uh and all you know, and so I was just like, all right, you know, like I, I, after I got all of, um, 
you know, and I, I had to, to get, you know, stay at the station or like cave cover. Like you really don't know how much shit you got going on in your life until you have to cancel it all, you yeah. know? And, you know, it, and it took all day to get the, uh, the planes and, and the, you know, getting everything in order here and all that shit. And like, and once it was done, like I was just like, all right, well, it's time to not think about this all night long. Like Ugh. it's time, it's time to not think about this. It's time to fucking, and you know, act goofy and, um, talk about anything but this. It's time to fucking watch true detective. It's time to, fu- it's, it's time to watch that and to think about that. And only, and, and you know, my girlfriend, you know, she, when I uh, probably like, she didn't know what to think about it because that's how I acted then. Like she didn't know what to think about, you know, because I, I just wasn't really, you know, probably was like, yeah, you know, we, we just went to the funeral and, you know, and, and that was it. And, and then I'd start talking about some other, you know, stupid shit. Uh, and then, you know, again, you know, on, on Sunday, you know, I was just thinking about doing anything but you know, reading fucking comic books, just getting my mind off of it completely. And then the Saturday that I got back, um, Nikita had to go to bed really, uh, she had to go to bed really early because um, I got back really late and I stayed up and played Borderlands 2 for like six hours. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> until about like 6 a.m. I just sat there like just because I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to think about anything at all. Uh, and I, you know, and I still kind of do that. And then, um, and then sometimes, you, you know, you can't anymore. Like you can't, something gets kind of, you know, given to you that, that you have to process like Saturday night. Like, uh, I got in, uh, and I got a, a letter from, um, uh, from my uncle, uh, and it was an extremely, it was, it was very, very nice. It was like, thank you for being a pallbearer. And it was the pallbearers like me and my, a couple of my cousins, my nephew, uh, and, you know, and it said like, he was very proud of you. Uh, and that was one thing I think that I was struggling with the most, like, was he proud of me? He was a, a, a deeply, deeply Christian man. Uh, and I, I thought that the, the great fucking irony of it all, uh, was a lot of the condolences that like when, you know, the fans who were fucking really cool and great and everything, uh, when they, you know, when Henry posts something like, Hey, there's no episode this week. Let's, you know, Mark's going through some personal shit. All I got on my wall was just hail Satan over and over. And over. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean he's not proud of you Doesn't though. He? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, but that was just a, a fucking, uh, an amazing irony. Uh, that, uh, I mean, I definitely did not tell anyone in my family about, uh, <laughs> but uh, th- that was uh, a pretty, you know, that, and, and, you know, and that's the thing is that, you know, I do a lot of the things that I do, you know, he would not approve of and the things I talk about, the things I believe, uh, and, um, and all that. Um, but I think he was proud of me in, in some way just for coming to New York and, and doing all this shit and building all this shit up. And I don't Fuck think I, I hope so. I don't think that you should just dis- like judge yourself too hard for distancing yourself right when it happened and right when you got back from the trip. You yeah. were immersed in it in Texas. There was no getting past it. No matter what, you were only thinking about it. So of course, y- you need some time to run away. Yeah. Every you know what? I, I everyone deserves a little bit of time to not think about it. Yeah. But now, which I'm very proud of you that you talked about this today that it is time to deal with it. Yeah. To start. It's not going to be an easy process. There's going to be a lot of waves. You'll be fine, and then you won't be fine, and then you'll be fine again. But 
You're such a strong person. Oh, thank you. And I think that, especially when you're grieving, believing in your own personal strength is something that you think that you're incapable of doing. Yeah. And you have to remember, you have to find it in yourself to be the person that this, the whoever died that was close to you that they wanted you to be. Yeah. yeah. In remembrance for them and, and to give them respect. And now you just move on. And he was proud of you. Yeah. Look yeah. at all of that you've done. <laughs> and of course he was proud of you. I mean, he you. didn't know the specifics. Well, but... he didn't need to know the specifics. <laughs> yeah, he didn't need to know about pedophile corner. No, no, no. <laughs> he doesn't need to know about the songs. He doesn't need to know about the racism. He doesn't need to know about no. any of that. He doesn't need to, no, no, no. He, he, does not, he does not need to know. No, no, no. He did know, you know, he knew like generalities about like what I did and, you know, and, and all the things that, that we've all accomplished together up here. Uh, he he knew that type of stuff, and and I think he was proud of that at at, at the very least. And now he's probably fucking bullshitting with the best of them. <laughs> Got his fucking voice back. <laughs> yeah, man, just having a fucking sure. great time. Yeah, the funeral was beautiful. Yeah, you would have loved it. It was this. Um, I I don't know if I've ever seen a more Texan thing in my entire life. Like, Big hair. <laughs> Tanya Tucker was there. Uh, but no, they buried him out on his land uh, in the middle of his pasture in this old cemetery on land that he owned. That I think the last person buried there was buried in 1925 or something like wow. that. And he uh, lived off these um, these mountains called the Double Mountains that he could always see from his house where he you know where he grew up and you know where he ended up living his later years. Uh, and his grave faces the Double Mountains. Uh, there's this clearing in the trees where you can see it right in front. Uh, and when the, um, you know, when the funeral procession came and you had to drive down this long dirt road when the funeral procession came, there were four old cowboys on horses that, uh, including one of his horses, uh, trigger, um, was Charlie on one of the horses? Charlie was not. No, Charlie was Paul Barra. Yeah. I was just wondering. (laughs) No, you wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was, he was not, uh. But yeah, these these four cowboys led the uh, the procession up to the gravesite, uh, and this old man sang this uh, beautiful song that he had written, which my brother had informed me he has sung at five other funerals. It's <laughs> <laughs> his thing. Uh, but that's it's his thing, you know. It's a song that he wrote a while back, uh, and my granddad always asked him to sing, uh, and he had this. I mean, just I, I don't think I'm ever going to forget it. That song. Um, that he sang at the graveside. Uh, and it was something that, you know, I, I, I think about it. I was like, fucking, you know, I wish I had a recording of that. But I don't know. It's something that's special. It exists in that one moment in time. And, and that's where it belongs. That's where it belongs. It belongs in memory and, you know, I don't know, maybe another funeral. Who knows? But um, but it was beautiful. And there's, you know, and I, and I could talk about a, a, a hundred other things that happened. And, you know, love and some of the the conflicts and getting drunk and playing dominoes and playing with guns. No, there was one night we all got drunk playing dominoes and my Uncle Joe was like, why don't we get out all daddy's guns? And he... (laughs) (laughs) Now that's Texas, baby. And he went out and he got uh, one of his revolvers, uh, a 22 pistol and a Luger. And we all sat there, took a break uh, from our... uh, 
um, from our dice game, and we're just you know taking the guns apart and putting them back together. And uh, my oldest brother like kind of like opens up the chamber and he goes, "Whoops, this one's loaded." <laughs> <laughs> and you know he's like, "Let's get these bullets out of here." Like, All right, yep, there you go. The best. All right, now you know and you know and. and you know, my my uncle was it was a huge comfort the whole time, and, and everyone was. You know, it was it was, a, and I I ain't gonna talk about the negative shit because it was very minimal uh, and very brief, uh, and for the most part, it was uh, an extremely positive experience that you know makes you realize how much you love your family and how much you mean to them, and how much yeah, it's a good family. It means I'm proud of you, Marcus. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. <laughs> All right, well, let's get let's get to uh, the the first letter today. Like, like I said, today's letters are uh, going to be a little little bit heavy. We got a humdinger. Today. We got we got a couple of humdingers. In fact, we got a few humdingers today. Uh, we're going to be uh, yeah. We're going to yeah. Let's let's get into uh, let's get into uh, this first one here. Dear Jackie and Marcus, this is definitely one that needs a pseudonym. What are we going to call this dude? Mm, Hawkeye. <laughs> Hawkeye it is. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. Strong. First off, a quick note to say how much I love not, love not only Sex and the Human Activities, but a big fan of Roundtable, Last Podcast, Two Book Minimum, and Page 7, amongst a couple others of CCR. Thank you for providing me with so much entertainment over the last few years since I discovered you. Thank you for listening, Thank sir. you. Sex and the Human Activities has been a particular comfort, especially two years ago when I went through the roughest breakup of my life, something that was entirely my fault. Though I couldn't write to you at the time, pride, I suppose, those podcasts really helped me through through some tough times. And though I have a couple of relationship issues of my own, there's nothing there I don't think I can deal with. No, this is me writing on behalf of one of my best friends. I have literally just got in from a night out with my new housemate and old best friends, and he's always been a decent chap. This guy's from England, by the way. Ah, oh, Hawkeye. <laughs> Funnily Decent chap. <laughs> Funnily enough, the same time I was going through my breakdown, he was going through his, but we both pulled through, moved out of their... Uh, Moved out of our respective parents. He's now in a relationship with a lovely girl, and though I'm single, I'm relatively happy with the situation as it can be. My friend has just admitted to me that his girlfriend was abused as a child by her grandfather, and even more recently, her ex-boyfriend forced himself upon her in the past, and in the last week, admitted to being recently sexually assaulted while she was at university. Though this is easily one of the worst things that could happen to anyone, my friend is being an utter saint and sticking right by her. He's as loyal as a swan in many cases, minus the grace. Isn't the British just great with it's that? It's just beautiful. Like, the letter is beautiful. And he's drunk, too. <laughs> I can't. I just... <laughs> he's good. That's what I... Like, G-U-D. That's what I would write. He good. He good. <laughs> in the car ride home, he told me all about this, as while we were out, his girlfriend had suffered a flashback and woke up in the shower. I had known something was up, but he was, understandably, reticent to say anything. It was only tonight that he felt he could say something, and though this, in a way, is... And though this is, in a way, a breach of his trust, I need advice for how to help a friend through a time. But the other thing is that he admitted to me that he's been having dark thoughts about going after these people. The grandfather is dead, but the grandmother, who in effect allowed it, is, on, is still there. The exes and the five guys who assaulted her 
whom he intends to track down. Though again, he has admitted this will take time, the exact phrasing being months or even years. I am under no doubts he would make sure he does this, especially as he says this fills his thoughts from morning to sleep and is affecting his sleep. He was even sent home from work early last Thursday for crying for crying after finding out about the sexual assault. He's a good guy who is feeling guilt about things that were well beyond his control, and I worry that though he may not do anything now, these dark black thoughts are going to consume him. As it's not my issue beyond the fact that I live with him and are on friendly terms with his girlfriend, but as one of nature's warriors, I am worrying. I write this now, slightly tipsy and tired before I go to work tomorrow at half two GMT. That's how they say it in England. They don't say I don't know what that means. Uh, 2.30. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Found that out from the lady. Uh. It says, knowing that tomorrow I would pussy out of it and leave it to fester beyond my notice. Even if there's little to do, something would be good to help. As a friend, at least. Warmest regards. Hawkeye. P.S. You guys rock. Thank you from the bottom of my cold black heart. Yeah, I love a cold black heart. They're the best. Number one, you and this guy do sound like decent chaps. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, uh, how awesome it is that you wrote in on behalf of this dude that, like, you love him yeah. and you want to take care of him. And thank you. We need more people like you to yeah. care about other people because I think that that's some of the biggest problems that we have in our society. I mean, even look at the girl that all of these terrible things happened to that she probably didn't have anyone to talk to. She didn't have anyone to trust to help her in these situations. And she finally found a dude that she could actually talk to, mm-hmm. which go her as well. Yeah. And it's all, and it sounds like it's all coming out at once. I have to say as someone that, I completely am a vengeful person, especially when it comes to things like this, someone that I love, someone that has hurt someone that I love, and I understand where this guy is coming from 1,000%. But unfortunately, when it comes down to this, and maybe if, I mean, he definitely needs to talk to someone. Yes. But also before that he talks to someone and and as a friend for you to be able to talk to him about is that this girl, it happened to her. Mm -hmm. It did not happen to him. It's not fair for him to feel the way that he feels. Even though I know that sounds terrible, it's not fair. If she could have pressed charges, if she was able to, if she was the one going after it, trying to do it judiciously, understandable. But it's not his fight. Mm -mm. And as shitty as that is to say, he needs to understand that this is her fight. And being there for her 1,000% and going to talk to someone about it and, and dealing with his feelings and being there to support her, that's his job. Support. Support. That's it. That is. I completely agree. That is his his job is to be there for her and to support her uh, and to be there for whatever she needs. If he truly loves this woman, if he really wants to be with her, be there for everything that she needs because she's opening up to you in a way that she probably has never opened up to anybody else ever. And, and that's a huge thing. You know, your friend's got to be a good guy if she's if she feels safe enough to tell him 
all of that and feels safe enough to call him when she has a flashback, when something really hits her right in the fucking brain and shocks her where she can't fucking get up off the ground. For her to call him, that means something. It means a lot. It means that she trusts him. But also the trust is based on the fact that he doesn't give in to the dark thoughts that he has because Mm -hmm. I unfortunately have a friend from the past that was sexually assaulted that her boyfriend did go after the guy and he beat the shit out of him. And he's like, okay, well then that's done. But it wasn't done. No. He stalked her. He kept abusing her. He kept going after her because he couldn't kill him. And he wanted to, the boyfriend wanted to kill him. But all they could do, he's like, yeah, you could beat him up. And then the boyfriend went to jail. Of course he did. For beating the shit out of this guy because there were no charges pressed. Nothing, no one knew of what had happened. Yeah. And even if there were charges pressed, it's still assault. Right. It's still the law. There's right and there's wrong and there's the law. Remember that. Everyone. Always. And this girl was traumatized further and further for three to four years after it happened because her boyfriend kept going after him. Yeah. And he kept going right back because those people are pieces of shit and they're evil and they don't have the same moral sense that we do. And your buddy does. And I understand where his thoughts are coming from, but he can't. It's He's not going to get away with it and they're not... That guy has friends. Mm -hmm. They're not going to let it lie. And he has to remember that. And all that's going to happen is that he's either going to go to jail. The girl is going to leave him because he brought it back again. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. Exactly. It's bringing it all back. It's bringing everything back to the forefront. It's bringing those people back into her life. The These, grandmother? No, leave the like that is. Who cares? It's uh, just that's uh, that is uh, that is beyond anything. You know, like that that has absolutely nothing. to also, do Also, how that. abused was the grandmother that she was letting that stuff happen? Exactly. That's the thing. You can't blame someone that didn't do it either. Yeah. She didn't do it. And what was happening to her that she was so terrified to do anything about it? Exactly. And how dare you go even think of going after her? Where it's like, think of what was happening to her. Mm-hmm. And how many times that had happened in the past. And it's just, and it's just even hard for me to say this because I read that and I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'd want to do the same thing because I would, I would want to do the exact same thing. And I just remember on my car in college, I used to have a Gandhi, I had a Gandhi sticker on it that said an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And when all this shit was going down, I took a knife and I just (laughs) scraped it off my car because all I wanted to do, I just want, like, it's just, and it's true. An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. You can't do this. It's just a cycle of violence. And what you have to do is be the support, be the man that she's never had in her life. That's your job. And invoking these other people that's just playing into the same bullshit that these fuckers were in. Yeah. And I just, he's, it sounds like he's just so much better than that. He absolutely is. Because if you just, they, no, and I understand completely the exact same. I had a, a friend in college that, uh, who had been, um, 
raped by a essentially a date rape uh by a uh and not really a person that I knew, but he was, we were all kind of part of the same club. Uh, and he showed up, uh, at the club after she had told me about this and he showed up like there was nothing going on. And I, I took him into my office and I looked him straight in the eye and I said, I know you, I know what you fucking did. If you come back here, if I ever see you anywhere near this place ever again, I will beat the living fuck out of you, and I do not care what happens. I never saw the guy ever again. But I feel that that's appropriate because he was there. Yeah. He w- he was bringing himself into that situation. Yeah. Going and tracking down these dudes is not smart. You will lose yourself in it. Uh, it's like a vendetta. It's a, it's and, But you know what it is? It's like you're trying to turn your life into an action movie. Right, I think it's it's this kind of weird fantasy. It's this revenge fantasy. It's like that your friend is not fucking Charles Bronson, like, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like Death Wish will not be a part of this man's life. It will not be a part of his narrative. The only narrative that he's going to have is the same fucked up narrative that happens when real people try to do this shit, which you just turn your life and the life of everyone around you into a big bucket of shit, and everything will fall apart. And you just have to. Just nourish what you have. Like the guy just has to nourish his relationship with his girlfriend because she trusts him mm-hmm. and he can't fuck that trust. No, not at all. So just be sure to tell, you, tell your friend, calm the fuck down, be there for your girlfriend, be there for his girlfriend. And talk to somebody. And talk to somebody. And just uh, remember that it's not his fight to fight. Yeah. And it's not his fault. No, it's not. And of course, like that's how people who are close to victims feel like it's their fault um, for whatever reason. Even if it happened years ago, years and years ago, like you, just, if you love someone, like you, guilt. you just yeah, you feel like I should have done something, but there's nothing that you can do, and there's nothing that you could have done. Some of this shit, just sometimes the bad stuff in the world, just reaches out and fucking scrapes you across the face and. There's nothing anyone can do about it. Except support each other and be there for each other peacefully. Yeah, peacefully. No violence. Well, uh, for our next letter, we're going to bring in our very first guest. Yeah. The, uh, me and Jackie have ever had on this show. Uh, everyone, please welcome Justy Dodge. Hi. Thank hey. you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. We and needed re- some help. We needed some help on this one because uh, the the reason why uh, we brought Justy in today is, uh, is because we had uh, a letter from a kid that is having some problems. Uh, well, let me read the letter and then uh, and then we'll get into why we brought Justy on today. Oh, you wait! I know we've been building up the suspense on this like a motherfucker. Yeah, had to make it a little lighter there. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Marcus and Jackie, my name. uh, What are we gonna call this kid? Chappy. Chat. Sure. Hey, Marcus and Jackie. My name is Chappy. I'm 16 and I cut on a daily basis. I'm never happy anymore. I always feel dead on the inside. My parents know I do this, but they couldn't care less. I can't think of any reason why I should continue living. So should I end it all or just continue to live? And we asked him for a bit of a follow-up, you know, just kind of explain a little bit more about what's going on. And he says, 
I live in northwestern Ohio. I have a 3.5 GPA. Uh, I have depression and I'm suicidal. I've tried about five times to kill myself. Overdose, suffocation. I thought I had a lot of friends, but after they found out and realized I'm depressed and suicidal, they've stopped talking to me, including a friend I've had since third grade who I thought I could rely on for help. My mom doesn't care about me. She's told me countless times I was an accident. She wished I, she wishes I had been a miscarriage and that I'm a fuck-up and stopped her from fulfilling her dreams. My dad isn't any better. He left, left when I was eight. He used to beat me and torture me. Um, that's the closest where I can think of. Uh, by that, I mean he used to burn his cigarette into my skin. It's hard to find anything that gets me happy anymore. Stuff that used to get me to smile and laugh doesn't do anything anymore. During class and while I'm at home, I find it hard to pay attention and stay concentrated because I'm constantly thinking of ways to end it all. Any ideas and help would be appreciated. Thank you guys for your time and help. So the reason why we brought Justy on today is because, like, Justy, you've struggled with a lot of this shit for a long time. A long time, yeah. I, I, I relate a lot to the, to the letter because... Uh, I mean, and Marcus, you think you know because I talk about it in my stand-up. Yeah, well, we've also talked about it a little bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Face right. to face. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, from ages 11, I started cutting at 11, so I, I do understand that. And there's a lot that, you know, I can empathize with this letter just from the feeling of, like, the parents not caring and stuff like that and then the friends not talking to you and it just builds up. And 16 is such a fucking hard age to be... I mean, everybody... No matter like, what. Dude, yeah. it is the worst age. But And I still... I'm 27 and I still... I still struggle with it. I still, you know, work at it every day. Um, so, when did you stop cutting? I haven't. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to say, like... I say I haven't because I've had slips. Right. But the slips are like once, twice a year. Yeah. But I don't want people to think it's like, because I don't, I think you can stop it if you really, really. But it's know. hard. It is so fucking hard, especially when you're 16, like this, like this kid. And it's like, I was 11. And that's, that's over half of my life. That's what I've been coping with. I mean, and you don't, you know, add on to like the, like I have a drug addiction, you know, I had a meth problem and then anorexia, you know, real white people problems, but it's like, <laughs> but like in the fairness, it's like all that stuff that really built, like it's one addiction after another. It's, it's trying to find the ways, means and ends. And you guys know, like we're all clearly not, you know, we have, we have issues, we all <laughs> have <laughs> which I, and in fairness too, like when it's six, but when you're 16 too, and it's not a belittling thing, it's not me saying like, when you're older, you'll get this, but it it is you will because it, you just have to get through this part. Yeah. It fucking sucks so bad, especially Ohio, dude. I get it, like Minnesota, northern Minnesota. I graduated with forty four kids in my high school class. Okay, oh my God. people know, like knew what I was doing. Like I was yeah. labeled as like the psycho of the school. That's why. When I actually got like, I, I got put in psychiatric care seven different times, but it was in almost like, school, huh? yeah, wow. but it was like a relief because it was like, well, it's better than dealing with these people who like make fun of me. I mean, I've gotten in fights over it when I was in high school. Like a girl put white out on her arms and shit and was like, look, I'm just, uh -huh. yeah, it's like heart, uh -huh. it's like heart wrenching. It's fun. I make jokes of it now because I'm a comic. Because that's how we've all dealt right. with our past is yeah. making jokes about it. And it's, I think that's what you do when you get to this point. Like that's why we do comedic things. But when you're 16 or any of that, you know, any age in it, you don't, you don't realize that you're not like, oh, in you know, 10 years, I'm going to make light of this and it's going to help people. So it's fucking hard, but like, it's a hard, like, I want to, I want to be like, I totally empathize with you, dude. But it's like, I also know you don't feel like anybody empathizes with you. Yeah. I also feel like, you know, 
what are we calling him again? Uh, <laughs> Chappie. Chappie. I totally, I mean, and it's like, I, I want to just, I, I would love to like just sit and talk with you because I, I get it. Like even my 11 year old nephew like has started writing suicide notes and stuff like that. Like it's, you're at a fucked up age, dude. And you, it doesn't sound like you have a, you know, a, you have a rough time going on like with your family and stuff like that. Like my father said some shitty things to me too when I was cutting like, and I don't know if your family's like this Chappie, but like, my family doesn't know how to show emotion. So what they do is they're, they're mean. Yeah. Like how your mom's saying that you're an accident. is the same thing. Like my dad said, well, I hope you know when I die, it's going to be your fault because he doesn't know. He didn't know any better at the, t- like that was his way to reach out to try right. to get me to stop cutting myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, it does. I don't, so it's like he, so he was, intense. He was trying to say whatever, cause he loved you so much. He wanted to say and whatever he, had, he could to yeah. get you to stop, but he had well, no to idea. Shock you out of it too. Yeah. And especially, you know, it's just so hard. You know, Chappie's 16. Yeah, it is. Where you can see also the light at the end of the tunnel of getting away from these fucking people. I would say uh, above all, above everything, that like, it will get better when you leave. Oh, no matter what you, yes, we all have demons. When you leave the house, of course, it's going to be hard, but you will get out. Yeah, you're, you it, cannot end it before you get out because you don't know what it's like without them over you. When you're 18, dude, like you can go, you can fucking go anywhere you want. Like I moved to New York on a, in a fucking Amtrak train when I was eight, 19, 20. Like I literally packed up two suitcases and just left. Just to get out. Just to, yeah. just to go away from it. And it's, it, I know you feel like it's, and it is shitty. I'm, it sounds terrible dude like i'm not but a little like belittling that whatsoever but like jackie was saying like there is a there is still hope like there's light because you have not yet been able to leave and if you leave and still feel like that like it's a whole different thing but you you have to give yourself the time give yourself another couple years and like leave where you are because the world is so much bigger than like you probably realize right now and i know it's shitty and it sucks and you don't want to like you don't want to hold on to that. Like it's it's hard. And also, I think that there's a reason why you haven't killed yourself yet. Totally. Mm-hmm. Dude, you the, wrote in you want help. There is and like you are stronger than you think you are. You will have the strength. You can make it through this. I think also you need to find someone you trust to talk to. Yeah. Whether it it should be a teacher, hit up the counselor, find someone that you can trust that is not your age. Fuck everyone your age. They don't understand. They don't understand the darkness that you feel. There are also meetings, uh, and I don't know in Ohio where they are, but there are. I go to Self Injurers Anonymous. It's crazy. They're it's an actual thing. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, it's small. Be. It's so small. But I mean, I have never looked if it's in Ohio. But you should check that out. It's it's the it's same an as, addiction. Yeah, it's the same as like there's an AA and an NA, but there is also Self Mutilators Anonymous, Self Injurers, excuse me. Uh, and I I go to those constantly you know the ones that are in new york and i hope there are some in ohio but you should check that out or any kind of support group for any type of self-harm thing because people are they do do it and it is but when you are 16 and i don't know how big like your school is i don't know how your friends are reacting like you said some of them have stopped talking to you and that's really hard too but they probably just don't know what to do. They just don't understand. Just, they're scared is what yeah. it really is. I mean, I got an uninvited to birthday parties when I was in high school. Like, like it's, and it, it fucking kills, dude. But as you get older, you kind of do come to terms with like, oh, 
you guys just had no idea what to do. And yeah. why and they're would scared. you? You're they're 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you don't want to think about the deep, dark places in the world and the deep, dark places that you may yourself one day go to. Like you just, you want to think about getting laid and riding around in a fucking car. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. but you're 16. You don't, you don't want to fucking think about stuff like that. It's, it's too difficult. And I think a lot of people's brains just aren't mature enough to wrap themselves or, or to wrap around that concept, like the concept of a deep, dark despair that you can't escape from. Well, and that's the thing, too, Chappie, is that, like, your maturity level is so much higher than Ugh. people your own age because of the shit you've had to deal yeah. with. And also remembering that, which, like, it's a weird thing to think about that of your peers, but remembering that you've gone through a lot more mm-hmm. and you're dealing with a lot more. And, you know... Suicide is not the way out of this. No. And remembering that you will get through this. You have to. You will. Because we you re- believe in you. And you yeah. reached out, dude, which is like the hugest thing. Like you acknowledge what's going on. Like you're not dumb. Like you do get it. Um, and the fact that you did reach out is huge. Like most people don't and they just wait for something to happen, you know, and it never does. So I don't think you actually want it to end, but it, cause it, it will get better. I swear to God, it will get better if you just give it a little more time. And this is, I'm a very cynical, angry person. Like I totally, yeah. Yeah. like you should, if you ever saw my stand up, like Marcus, <laughs> like, it's not positive, but you make, you it's make, not positive, it's but you not. can take, po- it's, I, I truly do believe that it's positive if you've been through some of that shit. For sure, man. If you can relate to it, then Because it you're is up positive. on the stage and because you were able to talk about it and you were Fuck able to yeah. deal with it And now. I'll give back as much as I can because you do, you do realize like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it will get better. I just, because that's that's what life is too. It's a constant state of situations and events. And I, th- I don't think like we get any like mature as we get older. I think that's all <laughs> bullshit. I don't think we get wiser. I think we just understand and realize yeah. and, and kind of learn how to manipulate situations. <laughs> we so learn we lessons. Yeah. Yes. It's like, because it's just, you know, shit sucks sometimes. But it's also that thing of understanding as you get older, like, oh, but good things come after that shitty shit. Exactly, <laughs> but it does. It, but it also like, but again, at sixteen, dude, like you got to give yourself a little more time before you just take that out because it's like you can leave in like two years, year and a half tops. You get out of high school, you can go anywhere you want, and, and then bolt, see. and then get and the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. Bolt. Take do what I did. Take two fucking suitcases, jump an Amtrak. I mean, I really wouldn't recommend the Amtrak. It's like thirty six hours. Well, yeah, no, not an Amtrak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the smoke breaks are weird. <laughs> like you think you're gonna die. Take a plane. But it's, it's, you got, you know, life is so much bigger than we realize, especially when we're hurting. I feel like if you set a goal for yourself, that if you start now and you start working towards saving up money Save to get up. the fuck out of there. Even yeah. 15 bucks a week, dude. Anything. Anything. And I feel like if you have that goal, you have something that you're working towards, something that you can see in your eyesight of, I'm going to have the money that the second I'm able to get out of here, I will get out of here. Yeah. And make sure you have the money before you do it. Yes. Like, don't go, don't go somewhere blind with no fucking money to your name because it will turn out badly get a job keep yourself busy stay the fuck out of the house get extracurricular activities yeah. do anything else start writing dude like start definitely get it out this man. Stuff. if you don't because you can't afford a therapist your parents won't help you get a therapist whatever it is yeah start writing the shit down because you got to get it out one way or the other 
And like Jackie was saying, or find a friend, like just because that stuff inside of you becomes toxic and that's the shit that's going to make you like hurt yourself more and more because you don't want to get rebel. it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very violent form. Let me ask you, like, uh, the reason why uh, we brought you in is <laughs> or not really, not one of the reasons why we brought you in is because like, you know, we got the, the, the email about cutting and like, you know, and he, and he sent a picture of, yeah. of his arm and, it, and it's fucking brutal. Like is... Yeah, it, it's brutal. But me and Jackie, we don't really have any... I've never cut. Yeah, we've never cut, and we don't necessarily... We don't understand it. Sure. So why... When you were 11, when you started cutting, why did you start doing it? Okay. Um, I mean, I know that. No, no, no. no. Uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. trying to... I want to I wanna phrase it properly, because it's a thing of like... It started out as more of like, your emotional pain threshold is so high. It's the same reason people will do drugs. It's the same reason people you know restrict from food whatever control issue whatever it is it is you are so overly emotional that you can't take it anymore so you try to turn it into a physical pain so what you do you know like i started scratching that was my big thing at first is i'd scratch and scratch and scratch i remember the first time i did it is me and my mom were in a fight but that's i mean at 11 dude that's fucking that's nuts yeah that's, real, that's very young yeah and for no and you've never i've never seen it before i never thought of it there was no like I, I didn't get the idea somewhere i just started scratching the fuck out of my arms and it escalated like any addiction where it became to razor blades and exacto knives and dude like my arm now like it is so obviously scarred if you can prevent that like i i don't know how to explain that but it's just like it becomes this addiction and a coping mechanism that isn't not healthy but it's all you know and it just becomes another you know like again i said i have like the meth problems and like the 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 uh, eating issues it's just you're gonna go from one addiction to the next until you like find and deal with the core of trying to get yourself better Little by little, you know, nothing happens overnight, but like, it's going to just keep finding another ways and means of coming out. Were you ever able to talk to anybody? Well, that's the thing too, is because my parents were fucking stellar, just like your sound chappy. Uh, <laughs> 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 like they sound like they were fucking wonderful. Um, they just started sticking me in psychiatric care when I was 12, 13, 14. Because they didn't want to deal with it. They, they didn't just... know how to deal with it. And also, I think they kind of liked me being fucked up because they could pin their shit on me. Right. You know, oh, the marriage is fucked up. No, it's not. It's just that our daughter's a fucking psychopath. No, I wasn't. Like, you know, yeah. like it's shit like yeah. that where it's she like. She needed to be talked to. You just, it, it, you just it needed, needed somebody. Yeah. You just needed trust. You didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust one fucking person. Especially when you're throwing me in. Like, and I can't explain to you like the level of like the psychiatric care to like therapeutic foster home. What the fuck is that? A therapeutic foster home oh, where your I've mom. Never heard of that. Right. And my mom was like this, this shaman, witch psychic. Yeah, I mean, you already uh, know where this is going. Yeah. So it's like, oh, really? I don't like adults and, and authority issues? Why would I? Because when I'm 14, a woman was buying me cigarettes and telling me she fucking felt my pain. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah. like, and that was the healthy alternative to living with my family? Like, oh my really? God. Like, there are so many levels. And I and it's like, that all was super shitty, but it's like, at, now at 27, it's like, I'm happily mar- married. Kind of happy, you know. I mean, I'm not kind of happy. You're married. I'm married, but I am, I am a lot better and I am in therapy dude and it's taken a lot of time and energy but it's if you want to get better it's like you can it is doable i know situations suck i certainly don't have the worst of them i've seen people with fucked up situations worse than yours or mine and i'm not saying ours aren't fucked up chappy i keep talking like chappy chappy yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm referring to you but it's like there is 
as fucking cliche as the saying is there is a light at the end of the tunnel dude and you will get through it and you can get through it and exactly like you said jesse like you wrote this email you are not at the end yeah, of dude. your rope yeah. man like which we, is awesome which is amazing yeah. i'm just so happy that you wrote in it will get better and not only did you write the first email but when we asked for a follow-up you gave it to so us so you want you do want not. And you have a 3.5 GPA, man. Get into fucking college. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there. Fuck your parents. You know what? Never talk to them ever again. Mm-hmm. Just do better for yourself. Do it for you. Do everything for you. And you have to remember the strength in yourself to do it for you. Fuck them. Yeah. And it will lend itself to you as you get older. Like that's, I think, the thing we forget is like all that past shit. And everybody's fucked up to some degree, but it's like all that past shit that you go through and stuff like that. It does end up lending itself to you, right? As you get older, it doesn't feel like it, but it's like you. That's why your situations and and things you know and learn and what you get into and how you can relate to other people and what you give and take back it all it all is driven from that shit you had to go through it's fucking crazy but you'll probably end up doing something that helps other people to be honest a lot of cutters do and a lot of people with self injury problems and stuff like that or you become a comedian like me and you just whatever but (laughs) (laughs) but you deal with it in just a different way than other people deal with it which it helps it is i feel that comedy at least for the three of us sitting right here is another form of therapy for sure that we need or else we all go to therapy outside of it (laughs) (laughs) the fuck does that say (laughs) need it because we've been in in your place chappy you know in different ways marcus and i in two different ways but we have hit rock bottom and you just fucking claw your fucking way out of it because don't you can't just give up no you can't because also that's giving your mother exactly what she fucking wants. <laughs> yeah, which is as terrible as spite your mom. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Do you it know for how many you. great people have been born out of spite for their mother? Dude, I really feel like that all the time. <laughs> really, because you find the power in you to be like, "Fuck you, fuck you I'm man. strong." And your mullet, Cindy Dodge. Like, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst, dude. Yeah. So how how is the relationship with your parents these days? Like, do you talk to them at all? Ooh, I mean. <laughs> such a tough one because it's like yeah. I've tried for years I, I think I only recently in the last three years I'd say has come to terms of like oh you guys you guys are bad like you weren't good you weren't yeah. good at it like because they let us drink and stuff so it seemed like to everybody else oh I had the co- Jesse had the cool parents yeah but it was like well also at my fucking high school graduation party I was trying to be sober and you had two parties so you could roll out a keg in the second one like you had all my NA friends all my biker ex-convict friends from one to four and then you rolled out a keg at four i'm sober i'm trying to be i'm trying to be sober and you roll out a keg so what uncle gary will show up that's fucking insane that is fucked up shit dude so no but i don't like, setting you up for failure right well, well that's what they, did. they never wanted me to get better because it's like again who are they hiding gonna, behind it who are they gonna pin everything on but right. that's why i moved two thousand miles away <laughs> yeah. and you know, I, I deal with them little by little and I have nieces and nephews. Like I said, it's so hard because it's like I can't be there for them and I can't. I don't go home. Yeah. I go home. For, I'm going to go home for my 10 year reunion, but that's only because I got on TV. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also have to, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself. And the only thing I can do is be an example for whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fucking stellar one, but at least. You no, know. but you are. But even the fact that you admitted that you lapse. Every once I, in a while, and I don't like, want to, but yeah, I do. But you have to I'm a because person. that's also 
it's engaging in the trust yeah. you never had in people for in the sure, past. dude. That because people like the people like Chappie that know that they can trust you, yeah. Because you said your faults, yeah. And, and, and there's no under, judgment. No, it, it's just we have to deal what uh, with our own personal demons, yeah. And, and we everyone all have has them. them. Yeah. Oh God. It's just unfortunately some have stronger ones than other people. Yeah. But it, more violent ones. To get it out of the way early too. That's kind of you don't see it now, but it's 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 a fucking blessing in disguise. Because when you get it out early, man, you learn how to fucking deal with the bullshit that comes up. Like you're, I got you got it out pretty early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then when other shit happens, you're like, oh yeah, this is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it, it. There's a benefit to it. Yeah. Things that fucking tear people down. Just to, and just fucking destroy people. You can stroll right through. Not to make it sound yeah. like your life is going to be shitty forever, but it's like like no. well, everyone's like, life is like, kind of shitty. It is. Right? Everyone, we all have to deal with a lot of bullshit throughout life. No one's life is perfect, and no one's life is conflict free. But if you have those sorts of experiences, yeah. then you're much more well equipped to you're deal prone, with those dude. fucking experiences than other people are. So, also, it's a it's a lack of judgment of other people as well. That I feel like what I've gone through. Also, uh, I'm not as quick to judge. Oh yeah, when especially when it comes to mental illness, uh, it's hard because I have insane anger issues. But <laughs> I try to remember when, when especially with dealing with other people with mental illnesses, that like judging is is bullshit. There's no point. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, Chappie. It matters what you think yes. about yourself, and that's. What everyone with a mental illness has to deal with is how you feel about yourself. Your empathy comes out in right. ways you wouldn't realize in it. And actually, like, man, you become like a worldly person in the sense of like, if someone's fucked up or you, you look at the bigger picture of it, like, okay, something clearly happened to you or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I have anger issues too, but it is that thing of like when someone's a cunt or whatever to me, right. which is often. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you do, you have that ability to be like, oh, you're being such a fucking psycho bitch clearly something you know what I mean you have that mentality where like clearly something happened to you I don't have to get angry I empathize you're fucked up so I'm, okay I'll let it go I'm also fucked yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's amazing that that happens well I think I hope this helped oh my god yeah. so no, I think, as soon as we're done I'm really guys was that seriously okay was that really <laughs> seriously alright no, we, no, just, I, we needed that perspective I, yeah. I like like Marcus and I said I, I've never cut I've had friends that cut often and I remember at the time going through my insane Mm-hmm. insane anger drug phase that I just didn't understand. I was like, why are you cutting? What the fuck is your problem? They're like, well, why are you fucking putting someone's head through a wall yeah. when you're just so tripped out on acid that you can't even see straight? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you don't know? I don't know. Right. Right. With like an anorexia too, they're like, why don't you just eat a sandwich? Yeah. Eat a sandwich. <laughs> like, why don't you just do that? It's, it's like there are no easy answers. No. Unfortunately, there are no easy answers, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel no matter what you're going through. No matter what. There's always a light. You just got to fucking hold on until it gets there. Yeah, it's really dim sometimes. But yeah. it's there. But it's it there. there. It's there. Yeah. And, but that's part of the finding the strength in yourself is to remember, even if it, you can't see it and there is fog in front of you and there's all this fucking bullshit in front of you that it's got to be inside of you. And I know that sounds like bullshit, but it's true, no, but it's man. True. It's you so got to. Re- you just have to rely on yourself mm-hmm. and you have to remember to believe in yourself. And that's because we be, all did it. And that's going to be fucking hard. Yes. The hardest that problem, I think the hardest problem that you're going to have is believing in yourself and believing that you can get away from your parents and you can get away from this and you can get out on your own. That's going to be really fucking hard as, as for, you know, if you, as, as someone who suffers from 
depression. Yeah. The hardest thing is believing in yourself. And even if you can't fully do it, fake it. Just yeah. for a little while. Dude. Just to just, get out. Just to get out. Just give yourself, buy yourself enough time, whatever you got to do. However, you have to stay busy, like Jackie was saying. Like, just fucking stay. Just have that one goal and get out because you will eventually be okay with it. Like, it, 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 just give it a little more time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fuck, Jesse. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. That is exactly what we Chabby, I really hope things uh, do get better. And, and again, when you're 18, that's great and coffee roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And please let us know. Give us an update. Let us know how you're doing. Yeah, we want to stay involved. Even please. me, too. I'd love to. If you need, you know, talk or whatever like that, too. Facebook, you know, Twitter, or anything like that. Yeah. Jesse I'm, I'm not trying to extend myself, but I am totally trying to extend myself. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know how well I can do that, but. Of course, of course. Yeah, Jesse Dodge. Jeff- Facebook. What's your Twitter? Oh uh, yeah, Justy Dodge. Justy Dodge. Yeah, it's very simple. Sweet. But just fucking name. Yeah, but reach out. Please do. Yeah, I'm always willing to talk. And we're always there. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you guys so much for writing in today, and thank you so much, Justy. Thank Th- you guys for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And if any of you out there have uh, any questions, uh, or if you want to weigh in on any of this, write to us at Cave Company Radio at gmail.com and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye.